0: He is a three-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier and recently became the reigning and defending Progressive Bassmaster Angler of the Year. Stone Cold Kyle Welcher joins me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. It is Wednesday, and I am once again back in your life, or as one of our followers calls it Russell, he calls it Wednesday. Dave, so welcome to Wednesday. Dave, welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks, you're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer, and I welcome each and every one of you in, and, uh, I promised it, and, uh. I'm going to deliver because uh, we recorded. Had a little bit of audio issues. Gosh, I hate. It. I mean, everybody says 5G is going to kill the world, but evidently not going to kill the world where pro anglers live. Because uh, once again, had a little audio trouble, but I think everything will be somewhat smooth. And uh, he says a lot of cool stuff, but he is your reigning. Progressive Bassmaster Angler of the Year, Stone Cold Kyle Welcher. And um, I guess I don't need to say anything more because I just introduced him. And here goes the show. Kyle Welcher, you are a Bassmaster Angler of the Year and have been for, for, I guess, a week now. How does that feel? Yeah, it
1: feels like a huge weight off my shoulders. And, you know, I'm on... It's gonna take a while for me to get used to you saying that, because that's what you're gonna, you know, say from now on. And I mean, until there's two of them, basically, that's gonna be the main title, and that's because of how much weight that that title holds. You know, it's I'm super, super proud of it, and it just feels like a huge relief to get a dang Bassmaster trophy. Like things are hard to get, you know.
0: Have you stopped to think about some of the names? You know, I think that's one of the coolest things about the classic trophy. You get to actually sit and read the names on the trophy. But there's those same names are connected with Angler of the Year. Have you stopped to Read think of the names that you're now associated with.
1: You know, not, not really. I had someone the other day tell me that there's only been 27 unique people that were Angler of Years. I was like, dang, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. Cause when you think about those 27, like 15 of them are straight. Regions you know of the 27 so it's like that's kind of weird but no I haven't really looked through the names you know other than the ones that we all know just from being fans of the sport I haven't I haven't looked for the name
0: what what uh have you stopped to how do you think this is going to change you as a person as an angler or or is it are you the kind of dude that just checked off that box onto the next one
1: I, I hope that I'm the kind of guy that just checks off the box. You know, it's, it has to influence your decisions a little bit. You know, like it's a for, – for for me, anyways, everybody has a different opinion on their goals. For me, that's the one accomplishment you can get. And, you know, it's after having a high like that, it'll be very easy to come back with a bad year. People have done it. So, for me, I'm trying to keep it like I can't control the results. The best possible result you could ever have this year. But – it wasn't like that I went there and just, you know, muscled everybody around and just beat everybody to a pulp because you can't, you can't do that in fishing. So I could have very easily put in the same amount of work made, you know, really really good decisions and then missed the classic because that's how this sport is, is. It's not fair in the form of how much you work doesn't always generate your results. So I just keep the level of work and, you know, concentration and focus that I have. And whenever the results come, like you said, just, check that box because you can't set your sights on something that's too absolute and efficient because there's too much variance so we all have goals long term but short term there's only so much influence you can have on making those goals happen you know and I know that you know that because you're in the sport there's a lot of variance in this game you know
0: why do you think you won this year
1: be honest with you I AOI is about your bad day, and winning yeah. a tournament is about your day, you know, yeah. so this year, if you look, it was kind of the first half of the season was kind of a quiet year for, for me, you know, because the way it works on the Elite Series, if you're not top 10, you're not getting live coverage, you're not getting a lot of media exposure, nobody's really hearing your name, but the difference in 10th and 11th is but it's a whole lot of media attention, but it's only one point. So you can come in and come in 11th and 11th and 11th and never be on TV, never have any live coverage. And then you're in second for of the year after three or four tournaments, you know? So that's kind of the way it went for me was we're three or four tournaments in and I got a call. I hope that didn't mess it up, but we're, we're like three or four tournaments in. And I've had, you know, solid tournaments and it's like quietly sneakily, you just start, yeah. you know, raising up pain. it's like I just never had a really bad day that I couldn't overcome. And I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how I've always wanted to be. Is I never want to have huge highs and huge lows. I mean, I want to have huge highs, like very highs, but you know, I don't want to have the the lows. So I've really tried to develop systems for where we go and where we fish to where my bad days aren't that bad, you know. And sometimes that hurts me where my good days aren't good either. But, you know, I feel like that's the only way that I know how to fish. And the, the year to me didn't feel like a phenomenal year. It just like we didn't have any major screw-ups. And that's that's kind of what Aoy is about, you know?
0: When did you start thinking about AOI? Are you one of those guys who thinks about it right from the first cast of the season? Or was it – did it become a reality before as left, the season moved on?
1: Before we left our house – To Florida, we was talking about Aoi, like literally our first tournament on Okeechobee, our first YouTube blog. I think it was called Aoi Year at our first tournament. Like that was the title of of the (laughs) playlist. No joke, and that was Hunter. That was Hunter doing it. And then we got to Okeechobee, and they're taking everybody's picture with a dry erase board of who they picked for Aoi. And I wrote down my own name, took a picture, they posted it on the thing, you know, at the meet for Okeechobee. So I mean, it was kind of almost like we talked it up a little you know
0: i like that I, one of my personal pet peeves is how everybody in this sport always tries to like you should i mean the nfl season's about to start college football just started every one of those teams goes into the season saying they're going to be the best if you don't you're not doing your job why are you different that way? You know what I mean? Like, because that definitely is the thing in the sport where people are like, I don't even want to talk about a o y. They can be leading it half the season. I don't want to talk
1: about it for for me, I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. Like I just like I don't really ever get I mean, obviously, I get rushed and you know a little bit spun out or something on the water when everything's wrong. I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. and that's one thing that a lot of people do. And they feel like if they talk about it, they have a tendency to put more pressure on themselves. But I feel like I have a decent understanding of how much variance is in this sport. So I just want to be in the position where if things go right and I execute, I got a shot. Like it doesn't matter. Like if I was going to St. Lawrence with a 60 point lead, AOI, I would have been more nervous than I was with a five point lead. You no, know? because yeah. now if you screw up, you you're losing it, you know? So I feel like people want to put more pressure on themselves and I understand like it's not over till it's over. Like everybody that, you know, within striking this, still has a shot until it's completely over. So for me, I have no problem talking about it because it actually makes me feel better. Like we're going to St. Lawrence and I'm sitting there looking and I'm trying to figure out like, you know, Cobb are really close. Some, some other people have a shot, but they're a little further back. And I'm like, if I go do well in this tournament, do the best I can do, I've got to have a 35, 40% shot in a while. Like, I, ha- I you know, because if somebody's 30 points back, there's no way their actual shot is better than 15 or 20%. Make up 30 points on two people, you know, because I mean, it, it could happen, but it's not, you know, a guaranteed. So it makes me feel better to know that, you know, you've got a shot at this and you got a really good shot at this. All you got to do is go put your head down and make it happen. So I like it. And then also, I feel like a lot of people, for some reason, people want to act like fishing is not a selfish sport. And it is probably the most selfish sport there is because there's no team. You're not playing against one person. You're playing against people. You know, and everybody like it's like NASCAR. Like there's all those cars, and everybody wants themselves to win. So that's how fishing is too. We just try not to act like it. And I have no problem acting like I want to do better than everybody you know i have friends that i want to see them do well too like super well you know but i I just that's just how i am as far as being competitive
0: so going into the season talking about an aoy season and and whether it was kind of a clickbaity title to get some traffic or it was hunter imparting you know her positivity in in you and in the season was it the kind of season where you looked at the – when the schedule came out, did you be, Did you look at it and be like, well, the, I got a shot this season?
1: You know, there was like three of them this year that I had kind of circled that I was scared of on the schedule. And it was Seminole. I was very scared of Seminole. Lake and then St. Clair. Like I was very scared of those three. The other ones, you know, kind of set up to where, like you said – you know, I knew that I was going to be able to fish my strengths in like half of them, and then go in. And then I've been to Champlain three times. This is my third time, and I've been to St. Lawrence every single year since I've been on the elite. You know, so I feel like I at least know what goes on there. You know, so the ones I was really scared of was Claire Lay, and then Seminole. And if I can just survive those, you know, we'll we'll have a shot. But it, you know, we we were talking about that that we get another year, but. It wasn't really a reality, you know, until we're going towards, like, St. Clair. And then after St. Clair, it was like, okay, now we just got to execute in two and have one good one, and we've got a a real shot. So, it it didn't really feel like it was an actual shot until we're going into the last two of the year. But, you know, all year long, that was the goal. But it's probably closer to what you said. It's the goal, and it's a long shot, but it's just something we're talking about, you know? Yeah, I
0: mean, and there's – I mean – there's people who circle events and say, this is the one I'm looking forward to. And and it's so ironic how often the one you're looking forward to is the Patrick Walter prime example. What is, and, and thank God for you because that AOI race seems a little different. If he doesn't bomb at home, I mean, his worst finish of the whole right. year, I mean, he made four top tens. Um, but, but was at home. Why do you see that so often? Is that just a pressure thing where people take the weight of the event on the shoulder too much i don't know if it's a pressure thing
1: but it's like whenever you go to a place where you have so much knowledge yeah usually they either blow it away or do really bad because it's so easy to be right in front of them or or like right behind the fish or right in front of them and a lot of times with us having a 28 day off limit or, you know, from, you can even be on the water 30 days. Basically a lot of times people that are locals have the tendency to fish in the fish. So like if, if the fish would have been where Patrick Walters warned them to be, nobody would have had a shot that tournament, you know, and that's, that's obvious. But if I had to guess most people they they think, okay, they've been, they're basically all doing spawning. they've been, it's a month since I've even seen the lake, they're going to be here. And then they try to force that because there's some fish out there, but there's not a, enough out there to actually win the tournament. And then you see, you know, there's like, in just in this one, for example, there's still way more spawning than anybody would have expected. So I feel like people just have a tendency to fish in the fish. And because they know what potential is there whenever that collision happens. And then you just, whenever, you know, a lot of places on a lake, you don't settle down and adjust. You run more spots and more spots and yeah. more spots until you, you know, you never, you never find them. You just miss them all day long. I've done it. I've done it plenty. It, uh, there's no way to avoid
0: it in fishing. I mean, it's going to happen to you. I mean, you're playing a sport that has a sickless, disgustingly low percentage. I mean, you like to put things in percentage. Well, if you really started to work out the percentage of victory in this sport, I mean, nobody would do it. It's it, it's ridiculous how many times you have to strike out before you hit. But one of the things you said that stands out to me that I love is, and it's so true. whether it's Angler of the Year, whether it's qualifying for the classic, whatever your goal is, it's all about minimizing the bad ones. So what when yep. you look back at your season, I'm sure there were days where you were close to a train wreck with you know, looking back and being like, what are the key train wrecks that have bought that, that allowed you, you know, cause everyone's going to look at the final few events. You almost won it. You know, that that's all, but really I'm sure there was a day where you were like, man, at one o'clock I had nothing. And this saved my season.
1: Yeah. It sticks out big time to me because it's day two of lay lake. And on day one, I caught them like good, like not a big bag, but I started in a spot and I caught two or three keepers. Then I ran out and I started running my main pattern and I started catching quality quick. Now I had a couple of fish left. I catch like 12 ish pounds, 13 pounds on lake, which is good for that time of year. Well, on day two, it's like 1030. And I think I've got like one bass, like one pound, three quarter bass. And I've done, I, I lost one really, really big one already. And I'm sitting here and I'm running down the lake and I'm like, man, what do I do? Like, where do I go? I have no idea. And it's like, you know, 11 or 12 or something. I don't even know exactly what time it was in the day, but I go back in this Creek where I caught like eight fish in practice and one was a keeper. Literally there was one 12 venture in this Creek. And I pull in there and my first pass, I catch a lemon and I catch one, like three and a half. And I'm like, dang, so now like 10 pounds. So I turn around, I go back out of it and I, I call again. So now I've got like 11 pounds. So I run out of there and I go into the place where I lost the big one. And I lose another big one off this brim bed. Like I, I lost like a giant one off this brim bed. So I'm like, man, that was the one that makes it where I'm back in top 10. So I run back to that creek and I call again. So now I've got like 12 and a half pounds again on late, but literally at 11.30 or 12, or it was probably 11, 11.30, I had nothing and I had ran everything good that I had. I went to a creek where I caught one keeper in practice and ended up catching 12 pounds out of it. So that was the, that was the biggest day where, I had nothing left, and it just like fell in my lap.
0: It seemed like you know. If you look at even the last few events, and and I kept talking about it on live, but it's pretty amazing. Like literally, we went to remove Saint Lawrence River from it, (laughs) but those, you know, Champlain obviously and uh, Lake Saint Clair. On the start of day two, it looked like Brandon Cobb was going to lead this event with a sizable lead in angler of the year and two tournaments in a row dude you did your job on day three and stole all those points back from them and kept it tight which on behalf of bass thank you <laughs> number one and yeah. number two do you i mean do you even pay attention like when you're leaving the dock on day three is that a different thing feeling when when you know you got to make up a bunch of points or are you the kind of angler that just fishes for the best day every day
1: I just try to do the best day every day you know I learned something my first year is I I shouldn't even I shouldn't even say this but day three is the day you get points on the elites because you've got you've got 25 or 30 people that they got 10 grand already basically that tournament to them is a win and then you've got people in the top five or six that are competing to win the tournament. So basically from about ninth place down, everybody's kind of just chilling on day three. Mm-hmm. So if you go a par day, you always move up. It's just like, a like because people are sweating that check cut so much whenever they make it and they get to go on day three, it's like the fire's almost a little bit gone because they've accomplished the one goal that was in their head so much. So Day three has always, as long as I've been on the elites, been the day where I feel like you get them. Obviously you can fall to a hundredth on day two. I'm just saying yeah. like day three seems like the easiest day to move up from like that 50th to 30th, it's way easier than day two, like way easier. Because I think everybody's just kind of did what they want, came to do and got 10 grand that's still fishing, you know? And that's, so on day three, I've always said, just stay productive on day three. And it, it works out usually, you know, but I've had bad day threes also,
0: you know, but not in the last three I did. No, no. And, And I totally agree with you. I mean, the weirdest thing, especially that last event, I mean the word, and I've talked about it a lot, but the word safe got thrown around that event so much before that event ever started. You know what I mean? Angler saying, I, I just want to do what's safe to get me in the classic. I want to do what's safe. You know, half the field, I think, thought that first day was, number one, going to get canceled before it even – it like, that's what it felt like. When I, like, when I went down to the dock, uh-huh. nobody said it, but it felt like there was a bunch
1: of dudes like, we're going. <laughs> um, I practiced for it to get canceled, literally. Like, in practice, I was practicing places I could fish on on day two because I thought it would be day one because I thought – I was like, day one is going to get canceled. So I'm literally fishing places that you would want to fish in, like, a north northeast wind. Because I'm like, for the day that I think we're going to go. And they sent us a text in the middle of two of practice that all plans are to go. I'm like, I've got nothing for day one. So I start running around in on stuff that would be protected for day one. And that's when I ended up finding the school that I I actually finished the most. So literally, I was practicing for it getting canceled. And then as soon as they text us, I went to scrambling and and then found the best school that I had. Jake, obviously your camera
0: person jake latondras for that final event talked about it a lot in last week's show um but one of the things that stands out to me dude is how did you with everything you had on the line with a lot of people saying now you got to stay in the river you gotta i mean i don't think anyone said that on day two everybody you know you heard people say well i survived day one there but dude you didn't try to survive you you went out and tried to punch him in the mouth (laughs) literally did that on lake ontario
1: so uh, let's go back to when last time we fished out of Waddington. I ran from Waddington to the lake, and I caught like eighteen pounds, which is not great, but out of Waddington, it's not bad. I was definitely inside about fifty could. Well, I had a couple. De- I had one day in the river where I caught like nineteen pounds, and seventeen seemed pretty easy. So on day two of that tournament out of Waddington, I decided to fish in the river. Well, I caught like nine pounds. From then I said I will never ever fish in this river again if we can go to the lake like they're going to have to send us two dots and an email and say don't go past this for me to fish in the river like that's the only way that will ever happen so for me i felt like the safe play was the lake steel because if i would have stayed in the river i just i couldn't lived with it if i lost i could not live with it if i go to the lake break my trolling motor off boat sinks and me and jake got a swim to shore and you know, whatever I could live with that. But if I ever caught 16 pounds, I, I don't think I'd ever get over it. Like I just, I don't think I would. So for me, the safety was going to where I knew the weight was going to be there if I caught, them, you know, if I even got there. So I just, to me, the risk is the river basically. In my mind, the risk is the river. Cause I just, you fish there 17, 18 pounds in the rivers. No, not, not hard. 22 in the river is catching them. Like, that's catching them, you know? So, I I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't have, I couldn't live with myself. i stayed in the river and did bad. There's no way.
0: So, it was never a thought. Like, you, you, you removed that from your brain. Like, you never once thought. No, it was just
1: how, it was, it was just how long are we going to have to fit? Like, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to run there. Like, what's the optimal path? to get there and not waste as much, as much time. Like, do I come out here and cut behind this island or do I go this way? You know, I spent a lot of time worrying about that. But the only question in my mind was, how long am I gonna have to fish when I get there? Because when I leave on day one, I don't know if it's gonna take me an hour and a half or two and a half hours to get there. And I told I told Hunter when I'm leaving the dock, I said, if I'm fishing in under two hours, it'll be a win, like it'll be good because it's gonna take a long time to get there. And I did. I got there in like hour and 45, hour and 50 minutes. So something, something around there, hour and 45 minutes. And I mean, it was, it worked out, you know, I got back, but see the, the waves are huge, but they're not that bad. They're wide. They actually like, they're, super, they're super intimidating. Like that's not the problem. Like mentally. Yeah. They're bad, <laughs> but they're so big and they, and they stay, you know, big swells. Like they're not as bad to ruin as people think. like, You think you're going to die every once in a while, you know, but it's not like that that rough of a ride or, you know, really tearing your stuff up.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially after you get the mouth is generally the worst, right? Because you got current and everything. dealing. then once you get out there, there's space to work it. I mean, I've said that for years. I'd rather run across that lake from Toronto to Toronto, literally, than. Then that river can beat the crap out of you because it comes from every direction and it follow, you know, and they're much tighter waves. So you did think you were going to die several river, times. <laughs> no,
1: I, I never did, but but every once in a while you're thinking like, man, this is not that smart. But then <laughs> I'm I'm riding back 20, with twenty five ten, and I'm like, there's no matter what happens, this is very smart. <laughs> <laughs> One of the
0: conversations we had backstage after just after you won the trophy, and or might have been after the final day of the tournament, but we were talking and and I said to you, Man, if 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 your issues that happened on day four happened on day three, I mean, this is a whole different thing. I mean, you're weight after day two, no matter how good you're doing the tournament, would have dropped you down to 50th. Cobb wins angler of the year. But dude, I love how you like literally looked straight up at me. Stop the conversation. You're like, I would have made it back. <laughs> I love that about your personality.
1: Yeah. So I actually had I had uh, two people that were pretty much waiting for if I broke down that I could call them and then came and got me. Two uh, two elites that didn't make day three, and I I left the lake. I left the lake on day three with enough time. To where, if I broke down, they could make it to me and make it back. So I literally left like hour and twenty minutes early to come back. So I knew that they could come get me and make it back and we'd be good. So, but I, I was I was riding back on day three, and there's like I drove like twenty five miles and never saw a boat. Like, so I'm like going slow, trying not to like hurt anything. And then I passed like two elite anglers. I'm like, all right, now we can go seventy again because somebody can pick me up now. If worst case scenario, then I run all the way back to the, and start fishing close to the ramp for like 50 minutes where I literally had it mapped out to where I could troll in in like 15 minutes. If I had to troll, I could troll back to the dock in 15 minutes. So when I got to like 17 minutes, I just went and checked in. Because even if I broke down then, I could troll in. So I never felt like even if I had a problem, I wasn't going to make it back on day three. Because I mean, I knew, I knew I was going to make the top 10, you know, so that was going to give me a really good shot.
0: I love how you have all that worked out to percentages, you know, and time. And I mean, if I, I mean, to me, that's amazing. And, but that's also what makes you who you are. And, um, as a guy who covers the sport, it's exciting for me to see someone like you, like, do you realize that you're a little different than some others?
1: You know, it doesn't really seem like it to me because we all talk, you know, and we all yeah. have kind of the same emotions and the, the same thought processes and stuff. So to me, whenever I'm talking to other people, we just seem very similar, but you know, you see a different side of people, you know, like whenever people are competing, it's almost like there's a pull up and everybody's, you know, acting how they want to act or they want to portray themselves certain way, or they're in the middle of competition. You see them at their, whenever they have the biggest, edge on them you know and then you see them at a different time so you're you're going to see a different side of most of anglers than I am but I I always feel like we're more similar than thing maybe not
0: I think dude what stands out to me is 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 it's it's so I, I tried to explain it to Louis Stout a little while ago because he's writing a piece on you winning angler of the year and I'm like it, you have a very like winner take all attitude where you're like, you know what I mean? You're here to make a living, but you're here to win. And and I've seen you just your decision-making going out to the lake, your decision-making. I mean, the first time I kind of saw it in you, it's like, there are certain things that just don't compute to you that do to other people. You know what yep. I mean? And, and, and generally there it's the risk taking and stuff where you're like, well, that's, Similar to how you explained Lake Ontario, that's what you have to do if you're there. I mean, you you, you there's not another option for other people. There is, but for yeah. you, there was no. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, every, everybody's different, and there's different ways to win. But I I just find it really refreshing how you and you've always shown that, dude. Like from your rookie season, I remember having conversations with you and being like, these are the, some of the. It's not what you're saying. It's not what how you're saying. I remember there was a tournament and I believe it was your rookie season. And you were talking about we were just having a casual conversation and there was a tournament later. doesn't matter who the tournament leader was because they're not part of the story and I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but they were making a long run at that particular event. And I remember me and you were standing beside each other when you heard that that angler wasn't making that run on day three. And you were just like, what? And it wasn't that you were, it was just like, how 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 do you not you know what i mean it's like there's off guard.
1: It's... No, it definitely caught me off guard i remember that it, but I that, mean, that that's a rare for for me it don't you if you're in a tournament doing something i feel like you you have to go back. but i don't have all the information that he had in that moment yeah. obviously but you know like to me, it doesn't scare me to make a long run and have short fishing time. I know other people, they kind of weigh that. They're like, man, if I stay close, because I hear other anglers talk about it all the time. And they're like, man, if I stay close, I get fish for seven hours and 30 minutes, literally. And then if I run far, I fish for four hours. And I'm like, yeah, but which one's going to have the highest weight you're going to bring in? You know, like that's that's all I care about. Like, I will drive for seven hours and 58 minutes if I'm going to catch, you know, 24 pounds in two minutes and then may make it back. Like, that fine. So I, I just want to do whatever catches the most weight. And I have fished so many three-hour tournaments that, yeah. to me, three hours is, like, plenty of time to, like, make adjustments and catch them and go a few times, and then we can run back. But I don't – to me, I remember that exact time. It did catch me off guard. But he might have seen something to see because he was one making a run, you know, and I wasn't. But I, I, I would have probably had to go back there.
0: Yeah. And dude, I'm not even judging the call whether it was right or wrong by you, but, but it was the way that, I mean, there are certain times I've had conversations with Kevin Van Dam and it's, it's almost like a, as a matter of fact, like, well, well, of course he's going to do that. Or of course you want it. Like you have that in you and it's, and I think it's very refreshing for the sport. And I think it's, it's what makes you who you are, um, but talk to me about day four with all of your issues um, that has been widely publicized. How did you not freak out at some point? Like I, I I would literally be still laying in the bottom of the boat, sucking my thumb in the fetal position saying, why me? (laughs) It's almost was perfect.
1: Well, I mean, helps whenever you got the trophy the day before and it can no longer be taken away. That, that helps a lot. But you know, that's probably one of the best positions that I've been in so far to win an elite series event. Like, I was a pound and one ounce behind, and I had laid off of them a lot. You know, as far as yeah, every day I've left with so much time to make back, I had I hadn't fished a full day yet, so I was looking forward to the opportunity. But at the same time, man, first boat I had was a like. 82 model aluminum. steel, still got it with a two stroke Johnson on it. And if you do anything about that, it crunk about 18% of the time. So it's just like from, from whenever I started fishing, stuff like that happened. Like me and my little brother fished a tournament yesterday, right? Trolling motor batteries are dead in two hours. Cause I'm in his boat. I'm like, man, I think I've got two bags in the back of my truck. We go get them, put them in and, they don't work at all so we're floating down the river literally floating down the river casting in current stuff that anything we can get close enough to using the big motor it's just like that's how it's always been like it's just to me it didn't even phase us we're just like hey we broke down again you know but it was it was battery at that time so and we ended up pulling like three times and we won the tournament with no trouble so it just seems like <clears throat> i just grew up Having so many problems fishing out of old boats and stuff like that, that you know, it's it's gonna happen at some point. You know, it's not like I've never had an issue before and I'm just caught completely off guard by it. like I know at any point in time anything could happen, you know. So I mean it is frustrating, and you want to just whenever you have an opportunity, you just want to have a shot. Like I don't care if I would went out there and caught 15 pounds, just give me a full time to fish and give me a shot. But I genuinely thought. Up until, you know, there's like an hour left in the tournament, I, I thought I had to win the entire time. Like, whenever they put me back in the water and I start running, I, I'm like, we still got a shot this. And, then, and we begin, so we fix it. I'm like, who well, we still got a shot this? And then whenever Justin Atkins gave me his boat, I'm still thinking, we got close to three hours of fishing time. Like, I still get shot. They just need to be there and be big when I get there, you know? So – I just never lost confidence that I had a shot until I was running back. Well, whenever I'm running back to weigh in, that's kind of when it all hits you and you're like, dang, hmm. man. Like, dang. Because it that's the time where I start to get frustrated is whenever I know time's out, like time's up. I don't got time to even make another cast hardly. I'm running back. That's whenever it all kind of gets me that, man, we messed up an opportunity today. But while I'm in the middle of it, I always feel like the opportunity is still there. But but whatever I'm running back, it's kind of hit me, and I'm like, man, that's kind of frustrating. But then I get back, like, six minutes early, and I catch a four four and a quarter pounder right in front of where I got to check in with, like, four minutes to go. So, it it ended up, you know, it ended up being a good day with the time we had fishing. But it doesn't really hit me till it's over that I missed out on such an opportunity. But, like I said, deer time, it's easy to not get frustrated because it's still in front of you, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, what about the four ounces? Dude, I wish that fish you caught <laughs> at the check-in. That I mean, you heard the whole crowd. Like, there was a visit. like yeah. an, uh, You could hear them just, oh. Because, sure, you're angler of the year and everything, but four ounces from 100 pounds.
1: And, it, see, <clears throat> this was bad because if I remember correctly, they've never handed out sentry belts at the tournament. You've always had to wait and get them sent to you later, yeah. right? And yeah. like this was the first time where they're giving them out and they're taking pictures with them right there. And I'm like, man, they actually had them at this one. Like I should have got one. But it 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 was that was the one thing is with three hours left. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. Like I'm gonna go catch. I think I needed 20. I needed because I caught 27. So I was like, I'm, I'm gonna go catch 21 pounds and get that anyway, you know. And then I went out there and I, I had actually two big lulls. And well, I had three hours to fish, and I fished for like 25 minutes and didn't catch one. And last 45 minutes and didn't catch one. So, literally caught on my weight an hour and 40 minutes, basically. So that that was super disappointing because, and I've told people, I'm like, man, you just don't know when you're to have another shot at 100 pounds of smallmouth. They're like, yeah, but y'all go back next year. It's like, yeah, but then you got to go catch 25 pounds four times. Like, yeah, like a fish are there, but how do you get set up like I was? I only need 21 pounds to do it. You know, that's. That's the opportunity that, you know, I would have liked to get that because I don't have a century belt. First one being smallmouth and everybody saying that I struggle with smallmouth fishing, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, it'd
0: be very cool. And to make you feel better, the, the belts they were using at the event was just for a photo op. The ones they get, they will still okay. get it, the classic. Okay. They're so much cooler Good. than the one we use for the photo op. The one we use for the photo ops, cool for a photo op, but so, I mean, it doesn't make the pain a little any less or better I I don't think but uh you mentioned uh you know fishing that tournament with your brother is that is that something you grew up doing or is that just my brother's the angler of the year and I'm gonna go fish a tournament with him?
1: Uh so me and usually fish a few you know in the fall and stuff. He's in college he's got a lot of stuff going on. He fishes some other tournaments and stuff. So we don't fish a ton but every every fall we probably fish two or three or four tournaments together, you know, but he's uh, definitely right now he's a little bit more interesting than normal because I just want AOI, you know? Yeah, and, and it was cool. I mean, a lot
0: of people were there for you to win uh, AOY and everything, and I kind of joke with you that you screwed it up by being in contention for the tournament. Has there been uh, a party or – like you say, I see other sides of anglers. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that side of you. Is there a
1: party side
0: of Kyle Welcher?
1: It's tough. Like, it's tough. Uh, I can't really sit still, you know? Like, I, it's hard for me to sit in one place for very long. So, going and partying for a few hours, it can it can happen, but it's going to be like, this will be the only time of year because I have, like, very little plan. whenever our schedule comes out, whatever time it is next year. You know? So, from this point until probably Thanksgiving, there would be a little bit of that going on. But... If there's anything important, I literally can't. Like, if we had a tournament in November, it'd be hard for me to even stop thinking about that tournament at all. I'd be going out in the garage and fixing stuff, and I just can't stop thinking about what's I mean, that's probably how it's going to be as soon as our schedule comes out. So before the schedule comes out, I'll say, yeah, we can can open up that side a little bit and and celebrate AOI, you know. So
0: how have you celebrated so far, or have you at all?
1: Yeah, no, it's just been it's just been friends and family coming over and talking and hanging out and all that type of stuff. You know, just the ones that I've been, you know, really close with for a long time. They just all wanted to come by and see the trophy and talk and hear about all the stories and stuff and talk about the four ounces like everybody wants to. It's just been a lot of that for, you know, ever since I've been home. But it's just it's just really cool to have people that like these people I grew up with, you know. Like I started a high school bath team with a buddy of mine. Whenever we were, I mean, 15, 16, and he he was like one of the first ones that came over when I got home. I've got, you know, people that I fished with years ago, they came over. It's people that have just been there the entire time and watched it, and it got, I mean, now we've been, you know, because of.
0: What uh, did you, I don't even know if you get a chance to see it, but when I was on stage and you were holding that trophy, what really stood out to me and what I thought was really cool. Is just the amount of anglers swindle. I mean, obviously, obviously uh, Justin Atkins was there, um, Paul Nick, just but, but Swindle really stands out to me. Like I look down at Swindle and dude, just the look on his face, and there's nobody looking at him at the moment. Everybody around is looking at you. But dude, I, I'm looking and the look on his face was just pure joy and pride in you. Did, did, have you been able to? sense any of that or or absorb any of that
1: yeah you know i've i've talked to him quite a bit since the tournament you know and a lot of the anglers a lot of anglers were were, i mean that's just an accomplishment that everybody respects so i feel like they really reached out a lot and congratulated me a lot a lot of them post pictures with me and stuff like that it is that 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 means a lot to me you know they're it's a competitive sport, so it's, it'd be very easy for somebody to just, you know, fling gravel and be mad that they didn't win or, or whatever. And you know, we, we've all done that. But to see them stay there and want to want to be a part of, I mean, my life changing for the better. You know, that's that that means a lot from all those. And they're they're really really good friends of mine. You know, all of them are, and we we talk a lot. And I I was just glad they got to got to be there and, and see it and. Swindle actually said he picked me on a podcast months and months and months ago to win AOI. So, you know, he, he'd been rooting for me the whole time. So it's, been, it's been really, really cool. Like, it's it's really a brotherhood out there. Even though competitors, we still – we want to see everybody do well, you know, and that was that was cool for them to stay and watch.
0: What about Cobb? I, I don't think I've ever asked anyone, like, what what's the conversation like or have you guys had a conversation? You know, you guys were paired together <clears throat> just through competition and – every story for the last few months has involved both of you. Was there a conversation afterwards?
1: Yeah. You know, w- well, we just kind of talked behind stage, you know, but me and Cobb have, we we just, for some reason have never been kind of around each other much yeah. in professional fishing. Like it's to think that like, w- there's only a hundred anglers, but I've got some anglers that I've almost never even seen that are only weirder, even though that sounds weird. Like if you're in a different flight, somebody checks in at three o'clock and I at four o'clock. Well, you kind of keep in that same flight all year. Y'all could just miss each other, and I mean, only the time we're gonna see each other is ICAST, you know, basically, or the the classic. And if you just miss them for the entire year, like I've got other elites I might have only talked to once, you know, basically. And it's not because I don't like them; we're just never around each other. So me and Cobb have never really been around each other much at all never really talked much only basically in the bag line from time to time you know and yeah. that's that's about all we've talked I mean I told him I told him you know we sh- shook hands and I told him before we went to the Lawrence, so I was like man no hard feelings either way you know like I'm not gonna be mad at you don't be mad at me we're just gonna try to try to both of us gonna try to get it done I'm not rooting against you but I'm rooting for me you know and that's that's kind of the way that I, I felt and you know but you know, we, we've never been super close friends, but we've around around the tournaments and stuff. But it wasn't – it ain't like I've called it, so we've talked for us. or that at the tournaments, basically.
0: When did you but think
1: – you... like, I came in the class, Sorry, go ahead. You know, I said, well, I like, know what it's like to be around something like that. And he does, too, because he's been close to Forest Wood Cousin, you know, like – I came in second in the classic and I wouldn't have cared what anybody said at that point in time. He it wouldn't, it, no, nothing could have helped, you know, so I didn't, I didn't really know, you know, what I should do, you know?
0: Yeah. D- does, does this help heal some of that? Or, or do you still have as much fire to go get that?
1: <laughs> no. So I definitely want that, but th- this, this to me is, well, I wanted more, but no, they're still a big time player to go get that because it was different, man. Like when I came in second at the classic, there was more hype around that than even what just happened, you know, like the phone calls and the interviews and that was just a whole nother level because there's so many eyes on the classic. So I can only imagine what it would be like if you if you won that. So that's definitely like the big goal for, for everybody. You know, for for every single angle, that's the big goal. So, we're going to keep working hard trying to get that one. So, this gave us a brief little intermission. But, no, there's still a big fire to get that classic. We need some We need some redemption at some point.
0: I think it's coming. I think it's coming. Um, one negative, maybe not a negative, but, you know, it's flying around everywhere now. But I, I would feel that in some ways it's kind of not just that it's – going on when people are accomplishing things, but the number one controversial thing in the sport of fishing right now, forward-facing sonar. Does it bother you that your victory has to deal with, you know what I mean? Like it's literally every podcast you go on, you're going to have to talk about your season and then you're going to have to dig into forward-facing sonar.
1: No, I do not care. One, you know, like it, I don't, it doesn't take away from, in my opinion, you know, anything that's been happening in the sport. It's not like there's an asterisk beside it and four people have it. You know, it's like yeah. competing against all the anglers with the best tools that are available right now. So, I mean, it's clouded it a little bit and it's just times are changing. You know, there was a time where the flasher was basically witchcraft. You know, when it first came out, it was technology was a lot further behind and there's something that show how deep it was like this is this sir you know so i think it'll all pass i do i mean everybody's heard, everybody's heard it all you know like i think it's not that fun to watch but if you're the guy that's got your foot on the trolling motor it's a very fun tool very very fun just maybe not as fun to, to watch someone else do it not saying that but i mean what do you do this is where it's at right now. Technology is going to keep getting better and better and better and better. Now, the only time if we ever come out with something that casts and reels them in for us, that'd be a little more for me. I'd probably not want to do that part. But spotting them is still it's the same thing. It's been the same thing forever. And I don't, want, I don't know if you want to go this direction with this question. The number one thing in bass fishing is going in front of bats. Yeah. And if you can't find them, before you drop your troll motor in the water and start scanning around, if you're not around them, you're still not going to win. They're not going to swim to it from four miles away. Like finding them is hard. And people look at those smallmouth tournaments and they're like, anybody can catch them with that. And it's like, have you seen how big that place is? <laughs> they're not everywhere. And that is a big water, you know, that's a big lake. So, I mean, it's it's hard to find them. And that's still the skill set today is way fast. And that was the skill set in the 70s and in the 80s and the 90s that was a skill set that separated everyone and that is the same today whoever finds them the best does the best in tournaments i mean it's it's never been about a secret lure it's always been about finding a place for a better population or bigger population of fish you know
0: so obviously tournament fishing in general the whole sport i mean if you read there's a bajillion uh they should make it illegal they should you know change this or change that or limit it if you had to make the decision what do you think what is the decision that comes out this afternoon let's say if a decision was coming out about forward facing sonar that would make you say that's the right call
1: you gotta you gotta leave it i mean I, I would say that's the right call now for me being selfish i would be perfectly fine if it goes away because I I don't think I need it. I don't feel like I even really want it. And that's not how I want to fish. Like, when I go fun fishing, like, I put in a lot of time working to get that four facing sonar. And I went for a month and a half to use it only every single day. But when I go fun fishing, trying to have fun, I'm skipping a rock or flipping wood or skipping docks or throwing a buzzbait. That's what I'm doing whenever I want to go fun fishing. So, for me, yeah, it'd be fine if we don't have it. But I just don't see how there's anything that possibly happen to ban it or regulate or anything like that because all that matters is viewership and if you give people one transducer or 50 transducer they're still going to stare down at the screen while you're watching live and that's the only that's the only real downside to the sport is whenever you're watching live it's not as interactive you know it's not as visually stimulating so that's that's the downside unless you ban completely you're not going to change that you know smallmouth term been boring to watch for the forever you know that's just just, they have been so i mean it's not facing sonar's fault whenever people were using 2d and dropping straight down it you just didn't know that you know everybody doesn't have something to talk about this but i i think the right call is you gotta leave it
0: i think the big difference in those is is it's weird and i don't know how to to change it or fix it. And you hear all these people say, Oh, production could do different things. And I agree with that. And and don't think that one thing that I love about JM and bass is production is they never rest. They're always trying. I mean, they invented live bass fishing (laughs) at one time. Everybody was happy, but they kept pushing. So I believe that they will come up with different things and ways to make it more interactive. But the thing that you can't circumvent is, Dude, people check out when they use it. It's different than 2D. You know what I mean? When you're doing 2D, you keep talking. It feels like everybody, like Jake came up with the analogy earlier this year, and it's perfectly. It's like talking to someone when they're texting. They're checked out. No matter how much they say, "Uh uh-huh, I'm listening. Yeah, don't don't worry. Just keep going. I'm listening. You know they're not listening, and that's kind of what happens with forward-facing sonar. And um, But I think you guys don't have a choice. You know, like, I mean, as a tournament, I, you're the one group who's like, you got to use it.
1: Yeah, I mean, right about the whole checking out because if you, I got live coverage from Sabine, you know, and we, we just sent those for YouTube, and I got live coverage from St. Clair, and my whole leader is completely different. I'm on Sabine, I'm flipping there, I'm talking to the camera, man, answering questions, all this type of stuff. and when I'm on St. Clair, I'm like, I've got it standing to 100 feet and I'm scanning the entire time. So it's like it's constantly changing. It takes that level of focus. And I haven't even really thought about it until you said you did it just like so zoned in on it that there's you talk. Like you all can't talk taking away from focus. That's just and that's bad for live coverage also.
0: Yeah. I mean it happens when you're social. I mean I was fishing with my son a few days ago and we we're using it and I found myself I'm like you're doing exactly what you talk about. Like because it's yeah. just that I mean it's just like writing a text. I'm pretty sure I can write a text and continue talking to you, but you don't. You know what I mean like you kind of zone out and okay. you start dealing with stuff. So I here's one thing I'm guarantee you. It no matter what the decision is, there's going to be a bunch of people that say that is the wrong decision. There's a, like, I mean, that, and I don't think any of that is true. Number one, no fish jumps in your boat when you turn it on. That's not true. And, and there's no right. right you know what I mean? Like at one time in the history of this sport, people were fighting race, got to release the fish and literally threatened to say, if you do not, if you, if you do not kill all these fish, you know, he wanted to release them. They just wanted them killed. Like if you do not kill these fish, your right. sport's going to collapse. Well, he had the foresight to say, no, well, this is our sport. And and I think that this is going to, I mean, I'm glad I'm a tournament MC and not working in the tournament department. Because I, I don't know what the, because I don't know that there's a right decision. Like if I hear this afternoon, if I heard, okay, they're not allowed it anymore. I don't know if that's the right decision. If you guys are allowed it forever, I don't know. That's, you know what I mean? Like it is a, it's a weird one puzzling
1: well now imagine 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 having to go to St. Clair now without it when all the locals have been using it and then have to go over there and have a tournament it would take like 14 a day to make the cut because the fish are getting so much pressure they're not biting as good and then now we're super inefficient so the general public is going to have them and, and try to compete you know, like our weights would be worse than the club tournament weights. Then all of a sudden, and they've never been before. You know, so there's certain lakes where if we didn't have it, our weights would be so bad compared to the locals. I just it'd make us look bad. I feel like.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah. That and that's the problem with putting the genie back in the bottle. Like it, it's in people compared right. to the Alabama rig, but it's nothing like the Alabama rig. That was one rig. Um, and it, to me, this one's impervious. Like, if anything, I would say that the fishing world maybe acted too quick on the Alabama rig. Um, but in this situation, yeah, like, hey, I don't I don't think that it's situational, dude. Like, it's literally everywhere we go. it. it I mean, you, there was four events last year that it didn't really play in, I guess. And if you want to know which ones those are, those are the ones that Kyoya Fujita didn't make a top 10 in. <laughs> Literally, he made five top tens. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Does it concern you that moving forward, or are you just like, if that's what I got to do, I'm going to become one of the best at it?
1: That's how I feel. It's like, that's what, if that's what I have to do, it's, look, it's not what I want to do. It's not what gets me in the fourth morning and it's going to be raining all day. I don't get up out of bed, man. I want go, you know. Use forward face today, but I'm like, man, it's raining. They're probably going to buzz bait, and I want to go. So, for me, it's, it's not what motivates me to go fishing is forward face sonar. But if that's what it takes, and like you said, every single year we are seeing different places it's dominating, and we're starting to see it move shallower and shallower and shallower. It's like this is going to be where it goes. Like I see it going back to a different, a different way. The only thing. I don't think it's one tidal fishery yet, but no. two years, I guarantee you it will. But other than that, it's one literally everywhere, you know. They're spawning, and you're like, man, they're spawning everywhere. No, nope, they probably went on, you know, forward facing sonar. You know, like, that's just how it seems. So, I mean, I don't see it slowing down at all. And if that's what it takes to be a professional bass fisherman, I'm going to do it. Because that's all I want to do is be a professional bass fisherman. So, I'm going to i work
0: where do you think electronics technology goes from here? Like, what, what, 10 years from now, what do you think you guys will be fishing with?
1: That's scary to say, because if you'd asked me that five years ago, I would have massively undershot it. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, Everybody so would. I'd have been like, I'd have been side an imaging, you can see 180 feet, maybe. Like, that's <laughs> maybe what we'll be doing, you know, and it's like, no, you watch them swim in five years. So... I don't really know if it gets, if it gets more than this, it's going to start taking away the fishing aspect of it. It's going to be literally a spot and stalk. You know, that's what I saw it's going to be. Like there's no, it's not going to be any like, magical waiting to get a bite, which that's already kind of gone. That was kind of the the anticipation of fishing is what made it so fun when it happened. You know, like whenever you finally had that blow up after fishing of nothing, then it happened, and it's just like all madness breaking loose. And, and that's that's going away. And if the technology advances very much more, it's going to continue to go away. But the amount of fish we're catching is going up. So it's a trade-off.
0: Yeah. And that thing, it, it's wild because you're right. It's fun to use, but it definitely takes away that. And I don't know what it is, but you you know what I mean? Like you can see yeah. – and it's it's not even a blow up like that. Sure, of course, a, watching a fish eat a top water is more exciting than watching it do anything on a screen. But it doesn't even have to be about. I mean, I can sit and look at a pad pad, and you see pads rustle, and that makes a feeling happen inside you that you can't. As an angler, you can't control. What that's the weird thing that it kind of takes away. I think that that.
1: Yeah. And- you don't get that on the screen. Even when you see them coming, it does. it's not the same. It just does not feel the same at all. Like, it's, I don't know, it's, your brain doesn't process it the same. And, you, and, like, on the screen, the thing is, you know, 100% it's a bass. Like, it's falling, and you know it's a bass coming to eat your bait. But then you throw up in, like you said, pads or reeds or whatever, and it might be a mudfish or a pike or whatever, and you still, you know, get excited. But the, it just doesn't relay it the same on the screen. So it is losing the magic a little bit, I believe.
0: Yeah, but as I said, you guys are in a situation where you don't have a choice. I mean, so when did you identify – you said earlier you spent a lot of time getting good at it. So how many years ago did you identify, boy, this is something I need to invest time
1: in? My rookie season, my rookie season I realized, like, this is a player, a big-time player because, you know, so I got one that fall. Used it a good bit, but not enough. So I used it, I got decent with it enough where I could tell what was going on. The next year, I was like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty decent with it. So I went up north and was not good enough with it by any means. But I also made bad decisions on my second year going up north. But I left from there then. I said I will never come back up here and not be super dialed with this thing. So I came home my second year, and then that's that's whenever I went for like I mean, literally like 40 days straight. And I was out there chasing white bass and spotted bass. And I mean, er, anything that I could see on there and chase. And I actually, I chased white bass the most because if you can keep up with them and put your bait in front of them, bass ain't got a shot. Those are far the hardest thing to chase down. So I would literally be around bait and I would see a school of spots. I thought, man, I'd catch one or catch two. And I'd see the white bass and I would throw them, and then be 100 feet away. I'm like, okay this is going to be a training exercise. We're chasing little suckers around. Cause if I can keep up with them, I'm good. And that, but it was after my second year, that's when I really realized, like, I screwed up. I should already be better than I am with this. And from then on, I've got better and better and better. And I'm still not the best with it by any means, but I just want to keep getting better and better and better and learning the ways to do it. But now there's baits coming out specifically for it. Companies are making rods specifically for it. Like we're, line that's metered so we can see exactly how deep our bait is but I mean we can already see it on the screen so that you know but I, all that type of stuff like they're making an entire category for yeah. this and they're making they're making jig heads that show up better on the screen they are made out of a different material and stuff to put on the side of the bait so it shows up there on the screen it's like there's an entire category of baits coming out for this you know so this is moving fast and we're we're only four years in Basically, to whenever you yeah. game, huge. Population. Whenever Patrick Walters won on Lake Fork with it, that was the first time that a lot of people were like, "Okay, this thing don't just catch smallmouth. Like, this is different." And that that was it. That was my rookie year. So that was four years ago. So that was the time it opened up everybody's eyes. So from then till now, only been about four years, and we've came this far. And I just, I mean, in five years, we got to go at least that far, plus all kinds of new technology stuff. So, Who knows? I got no idea where it's going.
0: So how do you decipher when to use it and when not to use it?
1: It's I have a problem with me. Like I either focus on it or don't. I have a problem implementing it when I'm fishing visible structure. If I pull up and there's a tree and a limb is sticking in the water, now I'm fishing visible structure. I'm flipping that trip, you know? But like. If I pull up and the limb is not sticking out of the water, I'm using four faces sonar, and I have a hard time u- like using it simultaneously. Whenever I'm regularly fishing shallow, so when I'm fishing shallow, it'll be on, and I know I go that I need to pay attention to. But I just get so focused in on how I fish my entire life and fishing like that, and then whenever I move, you know, offshore or whenever I think I'm going to use it, it's 100 focused on that. So I'm either All in on it, or not paying attention to it at all. Yeah, I feel like I need to merge. I need to merge just a little bit to get to to get to the optimal place. But like a lot of the tournaments this year, I never had it on. I never had it on for Okeechobee. I never had it on for Seminole. Like I never had it on for a bunch of them that were one with it. You know, but. I never had it on for probably over half terms this year. Like I took the whole graph and everything off for Sabine because I'm making a long run and it's going to, you know, slow me a little on mile an hour. So I took it all the way off. But I mean that, that's Sabine. But there's a couple tournaments this year. I didn't use it at all. And I know it probably would have helped me if I would have. But it also slows you down. So if, yeah. you're, if you're if you skip if you skipping docks and you get a bite every ten docks, get two hundred docks. That's twenty fish. Well, now if you're using forward-facing sonar, and it slows you down to where you only can 150 dots because you're looking at stuff. Now you only caught 15 fish. So it can slow you down, but there's a happy medium there. I, I feel like I need to get to
0: Yeah, and I mean, the, the results are always what, you know, because at the end of the year, you want angler of the year, and he you used it perfectly, but you don't rate it <laughs> that way. You know that you got the right points and everything, but you also know that, it, you know, there's times where it probably may have helped you, but I agree. There's times, when, and I think that's what we saw a lot this year. I think that's why Koya had such a great season. I mean, I don't think Koya tried much else. Like, and when it worked, he no. is incredible. But when it doesn't work, he goes down like a hail of gunfire. But if, I mean, if it works at five out of nine, you're going to have a good year. <laughs> I mean, yeah. five, five top tens is pretty impressive. Um, So what's ahead for you? This offseason, do you have, I mean, you talked to a lot of Angler of the Years and Classic Champions in the past, and I've you hear some of them say, I feel like it's my job to do this for the sport, or I have to represent this. Do you feel any of that pressure, or what is your thoughts going into this offseason?
1: I don't feel like I I have the sport on my back by any means right now, where I have to do anything for the sport. I feel like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are, legends that are still fishing that are you know they've done a great job so far and i'm let them keep doing whatever they're doing to you know help the sport out but for me it's just like you know try to help out my sponsors there's a lot of hype around me right now obviously so trying to just do every interview i can work with sponsors get them to put, post up and get them the pictures and stuff that i took from the tournaments and stuff so all of that to make them have the back end but they, they should already be happy, you know, but all that to, to kind of, you know, do fulfill all my obligations, And then it's just going to be back to normal for us, you know, like ready for next year, order a boat, get rods and reels and everything like that ready and start fishing next year. So, but I will fish a lot in the off season, Like there's little small tournaments around the house. And that's what I'll be doing. So I don't have anything major and pressing going on. You know, I don't really want to, I've set up my life to be like exactly how I like for it to be like I've I've I do kind of what I want to do you know so I don't want to change anything right now we just want to be proud of our accomplishment.
0: so the way you've set up your life is that literally just to protect fishing time for you for you to be able to be as good at your profession as possible
1: not really I mean it just kind of works that way now Because, you know, I did become a professional fisherman. So it looks like that. But even before that, you know, like, I just, I value my time probably more than it's worth. You know, so I don't like to, I don't like to be hustling around to do things that I don't think are super important. So I like to, I'm super in everything that I want to do. And if I don't really want to do it, like I'm just, Not going to, you know. So that's just kind of how I am, and I have a lot of have a lot of freedom with the job that I have, you know. Because for probably ten or twelve weeks a year, it's just insane busy. Then we got you know five or six more weeks of filming, or maybe ten weeks more of filming and stuff like that. But outside of that, we've got a decent amount of freedom, you know. So that's one of the best things about being a professional fisherman, actually. And I work a lot during those free times, also, but it's not like I have to be there at 7 30 a.m. and clock out at whatever time at 30 you know it's like I still have obligations but I can kind of do them whenever I want to and that's kind of that's my favorite part of the the whole deal actually is the is the freedom in the you know on schedule and stuff
0: yeah I mean we talked about it last time we did a podcast which obviously wasn't that long ago but I mean, if if you're gonna value something in your life, time is the one thing that you you know you can make more money, you can win more yeah. tournaments. You, time is is there's only so much you get. Have you always been that way? How did you? I mean, how old are you?
1: I just turned thirty this year. So, so to be well, thirty years old, there's a, a lot of
0: people, of people yeah. who don't think like that. Like, have you always valued time the way you do?
1: yeah kind of so a little bit you know there was like other circumstances whenever I was younger where I was made so much stuff like that just I didn't want to do things I felt like it was a waste of time but you know it really got whenever I was I'd say whenever I was older and traveling and stuff playing poker and fishing tournament stuff like that that's whenever I really realized that stuff goes by pretty quick like really quick like now I've been I've just completed my fourth year on the Elite. I mean, yeah. I remember when I was, like, getting my boat wrapped, trying to go down there to St. John's for my first tournament ever. And it's like – it feels like it was not long ago at all, you know. So, stuff goes by so fast. And whenever I'm traveling and I started seeing everything in the country, everybody's just hustling and running around and stuff like that. It's like some people don't have a choice. I'm not saying it's the wrong way to do things. It's just if I could find a way, I didn't want to do it. So whenever I'm traveling and kind of seeing the world and realizing started getting a little bit older, things start going by really fast. I realized that, you know, you only get so much time. So make the best of it, you know?
0: Yeah. And I I think that's also part of the success of of your YouTube channel. You know what I mean? The fact that like the way you guys live that lifestyle, you know what I mean? There's this the your relationship with hunters on display in front of you, you know what i mean but i think that's that's what so many people appeal to with you because they know you 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 get it so to speak life-wise and experience-wise um what did it mean for you to to hold that trophy with her when she came out on stage
1: well i, I, I really so when so she came out on stage i like put it in front of her and I was hoping, I, I know it's probably too heavy for her to hold, but I was hoping somebody would take a really good picture of it right in front of her. And I haven't said it yet. But I mean, that's how I feel about it. It's like last year, I came in 69th in the point. I had lots of miscuts. I just had a really, really, really bad year. And she's there for it. Like she's taking on the chin just like I am. Like that's what it's like. She feels it. She hurts. It's not fun. The wives that are, that travel, I mean, they they feel whenever somebody's doing good, and then whenever somebody's doing bad, like they know. And see, a yeah. lot of times, a lot of the wives try to make sure that they're not that high because they they help us a lot, but they're not in actual control of the competition side of things. So they know better than to get super super high because they don't they're influencing what's actually happening on the water, but they are helping us a ton off the water. So they try to not even get that high. So a lot of times the wives just feel like loads of things going wrong. So last year, her going through that, she, you know, it's not like she was ever super disappointed or anything, but like, I know that she, she wants better than that for me. And she thinks I can do it and bring for me. So this year I, I felt like we want it. Like we won a like that's how it genuinely feels. So I was just, I was really glad to see that for her. Cause it's a lot of relief for her and it's only a relief for her because she knows that I want to win something, you know, yeah. it's, it's just really cool that she gets to experience it with me. You know, that's, that's awesome. That's my favorite part of the whole deal.
0: It's cool to see from the outside and I, I've said it a bunch and I do believe it. I think that the, the spouses have the tougher job, you know what I mean? Like you, you leave, like you said, like, I mean, day one, you go out into that ocean and you're focused on the next wave and the making it to that point in your GPS. And they're stuck thinking, you know what I mean? Like you, you're focused on competition and everything and they're stuck carrying the weight of everything. And, and, um, I think you guys are, an, are an amazing team and, uh, it's awesome to see things work out for you the way they have this season. Do you still play poker at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I played poker two days ago. Went to a poker game two days ago. So, that was my first time playing since, I think, December. So, I went and pre-practiced for Seminole, and it was before it went off limits. That was probably December, early January, something like that. And I went down there, and I had played poker, like, two days before I went to pre-practice. And as soon as I went and started pre-practicing, not playing anymore. Like, I just – Don't even think about it. Focus 100% on fishing. And then whenever I get done, now we're playing some poker. So I actually plan on playing a lot this offseason, like a whole lot. But I probably won't because as soon as the schedule comes out, I'm going to be working towards next year. Every single offseason, I always think, I'll go play poker a lot. And then the schedule comes out that I'm trying to work towards next year. You know, because fishing is my number one passion. So until the schedule comes out, and I start working on that, we're definitely going to play a lot.
0: So how obsessed do you become? Like, the schedule comes out, what, what like, you literally start working and obsessing over, like, you every day in the offseason, you'll be focused on the next season?
1: It's not like every scene for eight hours a day. But there ain't many days that will go by where I don't think about one of the tournaments yeah. or something, you know, and I'll look at, I'll start looking just glancing at maps and you know navigation stuff on my phone and all that type of stuff and I I'll just start looking a little bit you know and that's
0: it's not like I'm going to sit down
1: and study you know like we go back to St. Lawrence I'm not going to sit down and study St. Lawrence for 8 hours for 6 months 8 hours a day for 6 months but I'll look at stuff you know especially the first couple I look at those a lot because you know, those are obviously the first ones we're going to do then we usually have a break in between them or whatever so I'll start thinking about it and start ordering baits and stuff as soon as the schedule comes out. I'll start ordering stuff for sure. I always do that. And I order so this is how it always goes. I order thousands and thousands of dollars worth of lures to drive a thousand miles and to fish with the same five rods I fish with every single year with the same five baits. But it's like if I don't have a box this big full of new stuff, I just don't feel confident.
0: Yeah, it's like the fish know. And they always eat the one that you don't have a lot of. Like if it, if if it's a particular ah. color there too, and that's the one that you, you don't have a lot of. It's just, they know. Yep. I know a lot of people have asked you if you've learned anything you take from poker to apply to your fishing days. Anything you take from fishing that helps you with poker? Like when you went back to play poker the other day for the first time in months, is your mind like, or is it just totally different?
1: they're very very smart. but poker is more of a evaluating your opponents Is a big chunk of poker it's not it's not the number one thing but it's a big big part of poker is understanding your opponent's tendencies and fish and then obviously in fishing it's the biggest thing Like the fish's migrations and all that stuff, and how they want to all all their tendencies. So that's the same, and then they're both very very similar in decision making. One thing about it is, in poker, there's fifty two cards and a finite number of options, and fishing, literally unlimited, million millions and million different variables that makes it where. So different things, than and you have no idea. So in poker, you can check your work, you can work backwards, and actually figure out if you made the right decision most of the time. And in fishing, it's just educated guesses. But both of them are games of incomplete information that you're just guessing your way through. And whoever guesses the best, you know, does the best. So I I feel like they're very very similar. But I can't think of anything that I take from fish. Into poker. I'd usually take it the other way, you know, yeah. from poker in the fish. Yeah. Well,
0: dude, an incredible season. And I think the most true words were spoken on that weekend. And they were spoken by your wife, Hunter, when she said, he's just getting started. And I honestly believe that. I believe it's weird, dude. And I don't want to sound too much like a fanboy, You know, I've always been a big fan of yours, but I've done several interviews this week and people bring you up and, and they're like, are you shocked that this happened so soon? And I swear to you, I don't know how to defend this statement, but I've said it sounds I'm shocked. It took so long. Like, dude, you, you, you really have been with what you did at the classic and everything like that. If you've been sleeping on this guy, you better wake up because, uh, I honestly believe that you're just getting started.
1: Well, I appreciate that. For me, it feels like I almost deserve it this soon. But I'll dang sure take it at any time, you know. <laughs> so I, I definitely appreciate it. I and I you have, you know, been big time in my corner from day one. I really, really appreciate it for sure. So I mean it's it's made it fun and to see it all work out now. I mean I mean, it's just really, really cool right now. Like, I'm still
0: pumped, you know? Yeah. And so you should be because you are the 2023 Bassmaster Angler of the Year, Stone Cold Kyle Welcher. Hey, do you like that? Do you like Stone Cold Kyle Welcher? I never ran it by you. <clears throat> I
1: do. At first, I was like, it's kind of weird. But then, but anyway, I started thinking about Stone Cold as in like, what you mean it because i've heard you explain it i was like no that's actually pretty good you know that actually makes some sense you know so huh. i i actually like it i figure out a way to make some merch but it's gonna be too tough hard, hard to do
0: well i mean no better way to make merch get publicity and
1: get sued so you <laughs> know
0: <get up. laughs> i mean you can i mean he can't own stone cold for everything can he
1: he can't,
0: there's no way. Yeah, no, no, stone cold fishing is totally different. Well, I mean, whatever. I mean, steam, stone cold Steve Austin isn't about, about to sue the Bassmaster Angler of the Year, but then again, maybe Vince McMahon
1: will. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. he definitely would. He'd be like, You sold 600. Hold on, buddy. Hold on.
0: Well, dude. Thank you for taking the time, and uh, I can't wait to watch the future unfold for you.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did, and I have a feeling you're going to see a lot more from Kyle Welcher in the future, and and a lot more times we'll see him on this particular program because I really enjoy talking to him, and I hope you guys enjoy listening because if without you guys, it's just me talking to my computer and i thank you f- for making this seem like a job see you next time enjoy being have a great week and we'll see you next time thanks for watching please like comment and subscribe because bob cobb of the Bassmasters told you to you hear